this, uh, this message today, I believe, will answer the question that you may be asking. What does this have to do with me? What does the life of Moses have to do with me? And so we're going to help answer that question. We are actually going to be in uh, the book of Exodus. And, um, and as you want to prepare your, your copy of God's word for that, we'll also have this on the, uh, on the screen. But the reason why we're in Moses, and I've shared this a few times before, is because I feel like God wants us to hang out with some, with some biblical characters, to find out who they were and, and what made them human and, and how we can relate to them. Because sometimes we look at a guy like Moses, and you're like, man, I could, I could never be like Moses. Well, uh, there are parts of Moses that you don't want to be like. Because <laughs> he, wa- he was a flawed person. Guess what? Just like you. Okay? And just like me. So look at the person next to you and say, you are flawed. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I know some of y'all realize that, you know. And so, but, but we are all flawed people. And just like people like Moses and some of the other characters we study, we, we study uh, Daniel and and, and Esther and Nehemiah, and then we studied Abraham, and, and then we just got through with Joseph before Easter. And so as, as we go through these characters, I believe that God wants us to show something about these biblical characters and about their life and how we plug it into our life. So when we last finished Joseph, Joseph had rescued his family his family were over in Canaan in the promised land. They were over in Canaan. And there was a famine across the whole world at that time. And Joseph, as we walk through that, he was able to, by the power of God, he was able to um, interpret the dreams uh, of Pharaoh. And because of that, and because he, he acted out on the plan that God gave him, on how to deal with this famine that was going to come, Pharaoh promoted them to second in charge of all of the kingdom of Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world at that time. And so Joseph's family were able to come to Egypt, and Egypt gave them the best part of the land. They were able to uh, set, up, uh, set up their home base there. And so Everything was great, but just like all great parties, they come to an end. Just like all great parties, they, they, they come to an end. Um, Lawson, our, um, one of our uh, sons, he turned 14 yesterday, and so he decided he was going to have a party, right? And so he invited a ton of his, his friends at school. And, uh, and we were really impressed with this. I mean, he, this guy knows how to throw a party. And sometimes that could be good. And sometimes I'm like going, hmm, I got to watch this. But he set up everything. I mean, he, he was making sure that things were right. And he was cleaning other kids' rooms right, for them just to, in case their friends were to walk in there. I mean, he was cleaning toilets, y'all. I mean, the, the, the boy had a mission. And he had, I don't know, a dozen friends over. And so it was a great gathering yesterday at our house. And so as kids were leaving, guess what was left? A big mess, right? And so we were cleaning it up. And just like all great parties, there, there's a mess 
that comes about, we have to clean up. Joseph's party or Joseph's life came to an end because, like all people, Joseph died. And then Pharaoh died. And the nation, the, the family of Israel became a nation of Israel. To where you had 400 years pass between when Joseph was helping to rule this nation and then we get to this point where we are right now. So look at, at, um, at Exodus chapter one. We're gonna read verses six through 10. And it says this, now Joseph and all of his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came in power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites, these Jews, have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will, will, will shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So you have this situation where the good old days of Joseph. Oh, remember the good old days of Joseph. We can just go back to those days. Those days are long gone. A new king and, uh, is here. And not just a king. I'm sure there have been a few kings, a few pharaohs who've stepped in. And they start to realize, hey, these Jews, they're overtaken. Our land. And so it, it, as we, you can read this story, and I would encourage you to, to take some time to, to read this whole part of a few chapters of, of Exodus. But it got to the point to where Pharaoh said, okay, the midwives of Egypt, as you're helping to deliver the Hebrew children, if it's a boy, kill it. Well, God moved on their hearts, and they were actually sympathetic to the Jews. And so they didn't do that, and they just told Pharaoh, you know, these, these Jewish moms, these Jewish women, they just, they just have the babies before we can even get there. Of course, just kind of helping to, to protect the Jews. And so Pharaoh then said, all right, I don't care if, if they're a couple of days old, a couple of weeks old, after they're born, if it's a boy, throw it in the Nile, the Nile River. Throw the baby, if it's a boy, in the Nile. What a harsh, despicable man. They were threatened by the Jews. They were threatened by the Jews. It, it, it almost, I mean, it, it makes me think to a time that we have pictures of the Jewish Holocaust and how uh, an, an evil man like Hitler would, would take Jews, even children, and have them cremated. And so this evil man was trying to send a message to the Jews. Not only are you slaves, but you are not going 
that's writing this. You're not going to rule this nation. You're not going to overrun us. But there was one family, one lady in particular, who had another plan. And as we read in Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, it tells us about it. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a, a fine child, she hid him for three months. I don't know how you can tell he's a fine child. All babies kind of look the same to me, you know. But when she couldn't hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Now, this particular child had two older siblings, a sister who at this time was in the early, like a preteen age, maybe early teenage, and then an, an older brother. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies. What a great idea that this mom had. Let's read on. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So you have this, this woman. What a, what, a, what a great idea. You know, I, I just can't see, I can't imagine throwing one of my children into a river. And she couldn't either. Like, you know, I'm going to just, I'm going to give him a chance. But she also knew this. I'm a female, she was thinking, and, and if any female would see this, this fine baby in, in this basket and open it by, by chance, then maybe their heart will be moved. And so it was a, a strategic plan. You know, some people think, oh, she just kind of put it in the middle of the Nile and, you know, it was kind of floating around and alligators are all around it and that kind of stuff. Well, actually, it was totally opposite of that. It was a well-intentional because they knew when Pharaoh's daughter would, would go bathe down by the, by the Nile River and, the, and maybe in this lagoon area where there's reeds in the water. And so the mother and her, and her daughter would plan this. And so the, so the daughter was seeking around the reeds and was watching this basket, maybe even pushing it a little bit, maybe moving the water over there and the basket was seen by Pharaoh's daughter. And then when she saw it, she obviously had compassion, and she must have thought, how could anybody do this? And so the daughter, Moses' sister, said, 
because she was around. Shall I go get a Hebrew mother to nurse him? Yes. She went and got her own mom, Moses' mom. And so her, her, Moses' mom came to the scene. And can you imagine the emotions? Pharaoh's daughter is, is probably holding baby Moses. You know, maybe at this time, maybe they're, they're in the palace and, and, and she's holding, this woman is holding her own child. And Pharaoh's daughter says, could you please nurse this child? I will pay you for it. Not only is the mom going to nurse Moses, but someone's going to pay her. Someone's paying for the formula and the diapers and all that stuff. I mean, someone is taking care of that. And so she takes Moses and she nurses Moses and is able to, um, to obviously spend time with him and, and, and mother him and teach, teach uh, Moses a little bit about the faith of the, of, the, uh, of the Israelites. Can you imagine, can you imagine what, um, what that must have felt like to know that I'm nursing my own child and he could have died just moments earlier. So Moses was, was then brought to, to Pharaoh's daughter. And then he was raised in, as a prince of Egypt. He was, he was placed in the finest schools of the most powerful nation in the world. He was placed in the finest schools in the finest universities. And in fact, you, could, you look at Acts, in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, which is in the New Testament, and this is all about Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin right before he was stoned. He said this in verse 22 of chapter 7. He says, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Moses became a leader. Moses became the, the epitome, he was, he was trained as, as a warrior. He was trained in education. He was trained in leadership, the best and the brightest, the fine young prince of Egypt. He was, he was an Egyptian, but he was an Egyptian with a Hebrew body, with a Hebrew heart the Hebrew mind. He was a Hebrew to the core. And so you could just imagine, imagine at this point, Moses is around 40 years old, close to 40 years old. So, so he's been in this palace for 40 years. He, he's being trained. He, he's probably led um, led some victories in, in, in war. He's probably helped plan cities and maybe some roads. And, and so he's about 40 years old, but he knows all about the Hebrews. 
And so the big elephant in the room is, these are my people. And look, is what, look what's happening. I've got people, Moses is thinking, I've got people that I lead who are whipping slaves who are my people. Can you imagine the, the conflict that, that Moses must have gone through? In his mind, in his heart, he's like, I I know I need to do this, I'm trained to this, and and I'm a prince of Egypt, but this is wrong. This is my people. His very own brother, Aaron, and his sister, Miriam. What, What is he to do with that? So he knows in his heart, something has got to be done about this. This is wrong. And so, rather than waiting on God to do amazing, great things, rather than going to God, there's no mention that Moses prayed to God and asked God to take care of this. There's no mention of that. I'm not saying it didn't happen. We don't have every single incident in God's word, but there's no indication of that. Because I believe if if Moses did, God would speak to his heart and, and God would show him the way to do this. But the way he did this was actually all wrong. As we see in, Moses, in, in Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. Because we're going to see that Moses took matters into his own hands. Exodus 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 11. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrews? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you, as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. By the way, it always becomes known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well, which begins a whole new life for Moses. So for Moses to kill somebody, one of his own people uh, that he leads, an Egyptian, for him to get to that point, it had to be something that he saw quite often. It's not like he was like, oh, I'm just going to stroll over here and like, oh, wow, look at that. That's awful. I think I'm going to kill this guy. No, no. This is something that has been brewing for quite some time. He had been wrestling in his heart for quite some time. For Moses to kill somebody with his bare hands. Something had been brewing for quite some time. He had been watching his own people, the Hebrews, being beaten and beaten and beaten time and time again. And he had had enough. Instead of going to God, which he knew all about, he'd been taught in that, Instead of going to God, he went to himself. Instead of waiting on God, he decided, you know what? I'm going to take matters in my own hands. You know, I'm the prince of Egypt. 
I can, I can do this, you know? But, but what he didn't understand is this. First of all, he's not gonna be able to, to annihilate the entire Egyptian army, killing them one by one and burying them in the sand. Because in one moment, Moses killed one person and buried him. In one moment, later on, we'll see God, in one moment, buried the entire Egyptian army in the Red Sea. Compare that. One man, the entire Egyptian army. God's like, um, I, I, I know how to do this, Moses. You don't, you don't need my help. You don't, I, I mean, I, I don't need your help. I, I could do this. You can rely upon me. You are trying to take matters in your own hands. God wanted to rescue his people. Think going back to Abraham, the story of, of Abraham. And, and we studied that in, in of Joseph. And God is saying, look, I love, this is my chosen people. I want to rescue them. I have the power. I have the ability. Don't take matters in your own hands. Don't take matters in your own hands. And don't get ahead of God. Boy, don't we do that? Aren't we guilty of that all the time? If you aren't, I am. I definitely am. And, and many of us are. Many of us, we, we, we sort of get ahead of God. We say, okay, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I'm going to, I'm going to not wait any longer. I really need to make something happen. So I'm just going to do it and hope God blesses it. Gosh, how many times have we done that? Many times. Many times we, we have run ahead of God and we have taken matters into our own hands. For, for example, let me give you some, some kind of life examples um, of this. For example, God wants you to wait for the right person to marry. Because you're tired of waiting on God, and there's so many creeps out there, you decide to date people who, uh, they may not be exactly who God wants for your life, but you date them anyway, because at least you're getting the ball rolling. Because not dating anyone is worse than just than, than dating someone who, is, uh, who may not be the right person for you. Then you end up in your own desert because of the outcomes from dating this creep. Another example is that God's telling you, look, God's pressing on your heart to, to change jobs, maybe change careers. And you're waiting on that. You're waiting on God. You're waiting on God. And you, and you say, okay, I'm just going to, I got I to do something. I, I'm, I'm tired of where I'm at. I'm, I'm tired of waiting on God. I'm just going to have these interviews. So he, you set up interviews and someone, some company hires you. And that company ends up being a company that takes you away from your family time and time again. And, and your situation is even worse than it was before. Just some examples. Not every example is like that. 
And God does give us the ability to make decisions, yes. God does give us the ability to, uh, to use wisdom and the counsel of others, but God also wants to be a part of what he wants to do in your life. And so when we, when we move in ahead and we say, you know, I'm tired of waiting, I'm just gonna take care of it myself. And then God's like, all right, go ahead and do that. But <laughs> what I had for you is so much better. You know, we're, we're at a place that in our church. We have 20 acres off 4th Street. It's so exciting. It's beautiful. It's awesome. We have, we have uh, beginning plans and we have committees meeting and talking about some things and building and we, we have fundraising and that kind of stuff. You know how we can get ahead of God? We can say, you know what, God? It's pretty cool that Excel Christian Academy, we were partnering with them and we're meeting in this building and that kind of stuff. But you know, we're, we're kind of tired of be, meeting here. We're just, gonna, we're just gonna go take a loan of $3 million and we're just gonna go build that thing and we're gonna just go move in there and start building right away and maybe be there in a few months. That would be a mistake. And I think you would agree with me. Because God, even though God is telling us and he's made it very clear that we're supposed to be there, but God has also made it clear, I'm going to be a part of this process. And if you really want to grow in your faith, grow in your church and, and, and follow after me and do my will, then, then you need to include me in this process. And we feel as a church, getting a loan for $3 million is not the answer. It's not. We believe we're going to do it one chair at a time. We are, through God's help. And, and, and yeah, there, there's, and we could be impatient with the process. It could be a little scary. Yes. As, as, as pastor of the church, there are days I'm like, oh my gosh. Really? You know? It just, it just takes, and, and God is saying, it's okay, Frank. It's okay. So y'all pray for me. Because I'm telling you, I, I'm someone who I'm like, hey, we're going we're gonna to take matters in our own hands. I'm going to get a shovel, and I got a bunch of kids, and I'm going to go buy some shovels, and we're going to start digging in the ground, and we're going to start building something out there, all right? I know we don't own it, but you know, maybe the family will, will let us build something, and, and we'll, we'll build something. We'll go out there, and we'll, we'll do it, <laughs> right? My kids are like, no. We can get ahead of God in, as a church and as individuals, as families. It's so easy to get ahead of God. So what I believe God wants to share with us today, I've got just a few little points I'm gonna bring out this message. I think what God wants to tell you today is that he wants to tell you to don't, to do not get ahead of God. Do not take matters into your own hands. Allow God to be part of the story. Because taking matters in your own hands and getting ahead of God will potentially land you in the desert and affect many people in your life. Because after Moses took matters in his own hands and killed an Egyptian and buried one person, it, it chased him to the desert where he spent the next 40 years in the desert. Chasing him in the desert. What desert 
will, will you land in if you decide to get ahead of God, if you decide to take matters into your own hands? There have been times I've, I've gotten ahead of God and I took matters in my own hands and I'm in this little desert. I'm like going, I don't like this at all. That was a, that was a silly mistake. How foolish of me. And you may have your own desert story. Desert stories are not fun. They're not. It's boring, it's hot, a lot of sand. I don't like sand. And so, let me share some things from Moses' story that you, I hope you can apply to your life because I know this, it is definitely applied to my life. So what will happen if you decide, what could possibly happen if you decide to take matters in your own hands and run ahead of God? Number one, other people will suffer longer. Other people will suffer longer. When we take matters in our own hands and get ahead of God, we will cause other people to suffer. It happened with the Israelites. Could it be, could it be that God placed Moses in that position of prince of Egypt, in that powerful position to help deliver the people out of slavery? Doesn't it make sense to you that God's like, okay, I want you to put your son in, in, in the river in a basket and, and I've got this plan and, and the, the Pharaoh's daughter will see Moses and you'll have a part in raising him and, and, and she will raise him and, and he's gonna be prince of Egypt and he's gonna be awesome and, and then you know the, the Pharaoh will die and his, you know, his other son will die, all the other sons will die and Moses will actually end up being Pharaoh and he's gonna change it all out and he's gonna take all the, the, all the Israelites and say, go back to Canaan. That's my plan. Wouldn't you like to know what God's plan A was? There's so many plan A's that we don't know about. In heaven, we're gonna be able to say, ask God, okay, what, before Moses made that stupid mistake, what was your plan? I mean, doesn't it, doesn't it make sense that God, what, God is setting that up? What plan A in your life is God setting up that could just be messed up? by our decision to move ahead without God. So this caused the, Israelite, the Israelites to stay in slavery for uh, 40 more years. 40 more years. I mean, that, that's a few generations. And so M Moses, because of his decision, it caused other people to suffer. When we get ahead of God, other people in our lives will suffer. Our families, our spouse, some of our friends, coworkers. When we decide to get ahead of God, we take matters in our own hands. And we move without God's permission. And we think God's gonna bless it because we're, we're doing it. It can cause other people to suffer and suffer long longer than anticipated. So it, it could cause other people to suffer. Number two, you could lose your identity. You could lose your identity. It, ha it happened to Moses. Moses left Egypt and went to the desert for 40 years. He's no longer a prince of Egypt, no longer living in the palace. He's not associated with that. He's no longer around Hebrews. His family, the, the stories of, of Abraham and and the, and the kids and, and every, 
in 400 years of history, he's no longer around it. Who is Moses? He's probably, he's in the desert now. He ends up getting married. We'll talk more about that later. He ends up getting married and watching sheep and just, just floating in life. He's lost his identity. You know, that can happen to us as well. We could lose our identity. We could lose who we are as a person, and we could also lose who we are as a family. Now, I know that there's, there, there are some families that, that they make a decision to, to do something, and they feel like it is God's plan that we do this. And it could be that, you know, they, they might even be separated for a little bit, and, and, and if they prayed about it, they feel like this is God has spoken to us, maybe through other people or through in time of prayer. We fasted over, and, and if they feel like that, that God's going to, going to bless that. But I know, I, I know some families, they're tired of waiting on God. They will not even bring the situation to God about their lousy job, and they go take a job that brings them, moves them away from their family, and then for six months or even a year, they, they went ahead and I'm going to go ahead and move up to Pennsylvania or Ohio or Washington or whatever, and I'm going to be without my family, and we believe that this God, you know, we believe that this is the thing we need to do, and I'm just tired of waiting on God, and they do that, and they're away from their family, and they've lost their identity as a family. Like, this is, this is crazy. What? Why are we doing this? And there's other countless examples we could talk about that we will lose our identity as, as a born-again believer bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, for those who have been saved, we could lose, not our salvation, but lose that identity in Christ because we're trying to do things in our own abilities and we're trying to outrun God. So other people in your life will suffer. You could lose your identity. You could lose your influence. We all have influence. We are all are in a position to where, where we influence someone in our life. You may not know this, but you have somebody that you influence in your life. Even little Lincoln, our youngest kid, and that, that boy, he is always in the woods. He's always like climbing trees. I mean, he's like, you know, rescuing snakes and putting them in a, I don't know, this water t- pool thing. and so, I mean, I don't know what he's doing sometimes. I mean, sometimes I get home and it's like, have you seen Lincoln? No, I haven't seen Lincoln. We haven't seen Lincoln for hours. <laughs> we are better parents than that sometimes. But, it's, but Lincoln, even though he's just a little kid and just all boy, he and, he's an influencer. He's got friends, and he's got friends that comes over, and they all come over, and they all do whatever they're doing in the woods and, you know, and, and all these boys and they're all together and, you know, and he influences people. Even little Lincoln, if Lincoln can be an influencer, then you can influence people as well. You have an influence. Moses had an influence. He was prince of Egypt. He could have the power to do something if he just waited on God to help the Hebrew nation. But no, because he decided to take matters in his own hand and run ahead of God, he lost his influence. Now he's stuck in the desert, and it's dry, and it's hot, 
and he, he just doesn't have any influence. He leads sheep. Woo. He doesn't have any, any influence. You have influence. <laughs> this week, I had, I had a small example of, of the influence that God has graciously given me right here in Emerson. You know, we've been here for a little over five years, and, um, and so I was driving down Highway 41, and, you know, from point A to point B, I'm always like, okay, I'm just going gonna, gonna to get there the fastest way I can, but the most legal way I can, all right? And so I was driving along, and then um, I see siren, or I hear sirens, and I see flashing lights, and, and a police officer, one of our finest here in Emerson, where he, he's pulling me over. So I, I, I pulled over, kind of over there by Lake Point Sports, and, 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 and I didn't think I was speeding. I mean, you know, I was going five over, but, you know, there's grace, right? And so he, I pulled over, and he, he, uh, I rolled down my window, and I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, officer. He goes, you know why I pulled you over? I was like, I didn't want to say speeding, right? Because I was speeding, you know? I was like, no, I don't think so. And he goes, you have a re- you have a, uh, an expired registration. And I'm like, ah, good. That's easy, right? But it's still, I can get a ticket. And so I give him my license, and, and I explain to him, sir, I, we have paid for that. It's probably sitting on my desk, that little sticker. It's not on my plate yet. I'm so sorry. And as I was talking, he handed it back to me. He goes, I just realized who you were. Have a good day, Pastor Frank, and get it taken care of. And I'm like going, yes! <laughs> We love our police officers. <laughs> I think I'm going to order them pizza this week. Um, but so we all have some type of influence, right? We, we influence people, but you can lose, oh my gosh, how many, how many people, how many fathers, how many dads have, have lost the influence of their kids because of a stupid mistake, because of taking matters in their own hands? Get matters in their own hands. You know, God, I'm not getting love from my wife like I really need to. You know, and I'm just going to take matters in my own hands rather than talking to her or go, y'all going to counseling or, or whatever. And you've lost your influence. Um, and last, you can miss your prime years of serving God. You can miss your prime years of serving God. Now, there, there are uh, people in this church, a wide range of ages, who are serving the Lord. We got teenagers right now who are serving the kids, and we got adults and of all ages serving the Lord. And it, I love that. And, and, and I would hope that even as we're all senior adults and we have some senior adults in here who are serving the Lord and, and they're just following the Lord and it's awesome. Well, let me tell you something. We all have some years in our life where it's the prime, right? We talk about the prime years, you know? Like there, there's a song in the 80s, you know, glory days, glory days, you know? We all have those glory days. We all have the, the, the prime years, and whatever those prime years look like, whatever you think those prime years are, um, Moses missed out on God doing incredible things through Moses in his prime. 
Did you know how old he was when he saw the burning bush? We'll talk about this later. 80 years old. 80 years old. Where's that burning bush? 80 years old. And, and, and there are people in our church who are about that age. You are serving the Lord. Yes, thank you so very much. But to me, I don't think I'm going to be in my prime at 80 years old serving the Lord. I'm still going to serve the Lord until I die, but, but 80 years old, it just doesn't seem like my prime. Some of you probably disagree. That's fine. But just think, if Moses would have had plan A, and included God in a plan A, he could have been a part of the grand story in his prime. When you get ahead of God, when you take matters in your own hands, you could miss out on serving the Lord in your prime. You could miss out on being part of the God stories in your family, your business, in your personal life, in your walk, in your prime. You miss out on that. And so, I just want to encourage you. Don't get ahead of God. And, and don't take matters in your own hands. Include God in the story. Ask God to be a part of what he wants to do and, and ask God to show you and give you wisdom. Do all you can with your strength and trust God to do what only he can do. To accomplish, can't do. You know, faith and careful planning go hand in hand. Yeah, we, we need to plan, but we also need to go by faith and we need to include God in that. And just remember this, God will not bless what he has not ordained. God will not bless what he has not ordained. And there are, t- there are some decisions in our life that we make. God has not ordained that. He is not going to bless it. Sure, you can make that decision, but God will not bless it. So, as we close, I just want to encourage you. Maybe there's something in your life that you're waiting on. Maybe there's something in your life that you're, you're unsettled about, you're frustrated about. You're like, God, I'm just tired of waiting. I'm, just, I'm ready to just make it happen. Just, you want to make sure that you're praying about it, you're fasting about it, you're talking to others about it, you're asking others to pray because God will speak to others, through others, to you. He will. God will speak through others. He will speak through, through the Bible. He will speak through all of these things. And so just include them in that. And don't get ahead of God like Moses because you know what? The desert, it's not a fun place. It's not a great place. Next week, We're going to talk about that desert, and next week, we're going to visit the burning bush.